Good morning, you beautiful people. It's so good to see you. So glad you're here this morning. Welcome to our friends online and over in the communion room. Glad you're joining us as well. Well, it is the second Sunday of December, and in these weeks leading up to Christmas, we are just looking deeply at Jesus, who he is, what he said, why we follow him. And uh, today, we're going to talk about the humility of Jesus. This is a tough one because none of us are as humble as Jesus. Humility is hard. It's difficult. We're not naturally great at it. We're naturally great at loving ourselves, typically. Um, I know I am. I'm great at seeing what's wrong with everybody else and not myself. And I'm great at noticing what my husband is not doing that I wish he was doing, you know, rather than being glad for what he is doing. Uh, just the other day, I found myself in a very familiar situation. I was feeling a bit chilly toward my dear husband, Matthew. And he asked me, like he has many times, are you okay? Did I do something to offend you? And I said, ladies, tell me if you've ever said this, I'm fine. <laughs> Did you hear? I'm not the only one. I'm fine. I wasn't fine. I was mad. I don't remember why I was mad. Probably I had an expectation that he would do something that I never communicated. I just hoped he would, you know, perceive. And, um, but I didn't want to say what was wrong because that requires vulnerability. That requires humility. Actually, you hurt my feelings. Actually, I'm feeling sad. Whatever. We hate that. I hate that in my flesh. You know, I want to always be fine. Humility is hard. Uh, we are naturally self-centered. We naturally think about ourselves first. And self-centeredness, it, it can destroy our relationships. It can destroy our lives. Dr. Michael McGee, who's a psychologist, says this. Being self-centered is costly. It's at the root of many psychiatric illnesses, including addiction, personality disorders, anxiety disorders, and depression. Self-centeredness damages relationships because self-ruminations rob you of the capacity to tune into and attend to others. We tend toward self-centeredness. This is not new. This has been a bane of our existence since the beginning. The early church struggled with pride and self-centeredness. The apostle Paul wrote them a letter to talk about humility, to talk about pride, because they were having tension in their relationships over this. Pride is, it is the root of so many evils from racism to bullying to abuse to tax fraud to genocide. Because with pride, we're saying, I'm up here, I'm superior to others in some way. And so therefore, I have my own, I, I don't have to follow the rules everybody else has to follow. It, it can ruin our lives. It can ruin our communities. So Paul is addressing this issue of pride with an early church that he helped plant. So we're going to read his words about the humility of Jesus. Uh, that's what we need this morning. That's what I need. So if you'd like to follow along with an actual Bible, our very kind, generous ushers are passing out Bibles. If you'd like to follow along, if you don't own one, you can keep it as a gift. Um, take it home and read it. Uh, the words will be on the screens, though, if you just want to follow along that way. So Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We have always wrestled with pride, and if we're going to flourish as human beings and as the people of God, then we have to address it. We have to look at it. We have to confess and learn what humility really looks like. And we do that by looking to Jesus who humbled himself. So let's look a little bit closer at these verses. Uh, He says first, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So Paul is speaking to the heart. He's talking about motives. He's saying, don't let the motive that drives your decisions be elevating yourself. Don't have that that in your heart where you're just always about yourself. Look around, see what other people need and meet those needs. Now, this is hard. Our culture doesn't work this way. We say, elevate yourself. Tell everybody how great you are. Retweet the great post so everybody else knows how great you are. That's kind of how we are. We, we, we're obsessed with achievement. We want to go to the best schools. We want to have the best jobs, make the most money, be the most talented. We're into upward mobility. But Jesus was into downward mobility. And he says, I want you as my followers to do the same. David Guzik says this, if I consider you above me, and you consider me above you, then a marvelous thing happens. We have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down on. I love that. That would be an amazing community if we're just looking out for each other, noticing how can we serve, how can we help. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So Paul spoke to the heart. He talked about motives. Now he's speaking to the mind. He's saying you got to change the way you think. you got to change your attitude. It'd be sort of like if I wanted to go work at Chick-fil-A and I was a real grumpy sort. Uh, And I said, well, I'm not going to say my pleasure and I'm not going to smile or be friendly. They'd go, well, you can't work here because you will say my pleasure a lot and you will smile because this is Chick-fil-A and this is the attitude. And you got to be that way if you want to be part of this community, right? And so Paul is saying, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to change the way you think. Everybody's about elevating themselves, not you. You be different. You adopt this attitude. So what was the attitude of Jesus? Well, Jesus did not start existing as a baby in Bethlehem. He existed from eternity past with the Father in glory. Steve talked about this last week, just the glory of God. He holds the oceans in his hands. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus had all the authority, all the beauty, all the privilege that the Father had, but he left it. 
He laid it aside. He didn't hold on to it. It says he didn't grasp it. This literally means when it says he's in the form of God, it literally means that which a man is in his very essence, which cannot be changed. It describes that part of a man which in any circumstance remains the same. So Jesus didn't stop being God when he took human form. He just didn't, he didn't exercise his God power, so to speak. He laid all of that aside. He laid his will aside. This is wild. Can you imagine, I mean, what a change to go from that to taking on flesh where you have, you know, wounds and you have bones that break and you experience cold and hunger and pain and rejection and vulnerability. Jesus took all of that on because that was the way to rescue us. That was the way to love us. So he, he left that. He became a servant. He became a blue-collar worker. He didn't only become a human. He became just a laborer. He identified with the ordinary human beings of the world. He worked with his hands. He walked among us. This is not how we are. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've been to like a party or something where people are just chit-chatting, getting to know each other, and you kind of start telling everybody your resume. You're like, well, I worked here. Well, I ran a marathon last month. Well, my kids go to Harvard. Well, I did an Ironman. You know, we try to one-up each other, right? Name drop. Well, I know this person. We try to make ourselves seem more and better than we are. Jesus actually was more and better, but he made himself less. Do you see that kind of upside down from the way we think this is? This is what Paul's saying. He's like, you've got to throw that old way of thinking out and be like Jesus. Serve, love, be approachable. Jesus embraced humility when he stepped into the world he made. But he didn't come in glory and power melting everybody's faces. He came in humility. He veiled that so he wouldn't burn our eyes, so he could come close, so he could love us. And then it says, God exalted him. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus didn't just give his life as a sacrifice. He died in the most publicly humiliating, torturous way that anybody could die, the way traitors and violent criminals died. He did that for us because he loves us, because that was what was required for justice to be satisfied and for us to receive mercy. He laid all of that down, and then, and then it says God exalted him. He, he gave him the name that's above every name. Notice, he didn't exalt himself. He, he put all that aside. He obeyed the Father. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And then God said, I'm going to save the whole world through your humility, through your obedience. It's hugely important for us to understand what this looks like. So what is, what is humility? What does it look like? A few observations. Number one, humility is true and pride is false. Um, humility, when you're embracing humility, it's not like you're, you know, special and enlightened. It just means you, you're in line with reality. It means you understand who God is as creator, as savior, as king of the universe. And you understand who you are in light of that. You know, you're real about who you are and you know you're not that. <laughs> He's God. I am not and that's reality. And humility is the only thing that makes sense. Pride doesn't make sense. Pride is delusional, you know, to try to act like, oh, yeah, we are really something special, which I know we are in a way. We're deeply loved by God. We're creations of God. 
but we're not meant to be in the center on the throne, not needing Jesus. There's a lie that's sort of hidden inside pride. And the lie is, I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need Jesus. I can stand on my own merit. I can save myself. And we, that looks a lot of different ways in how we live, but it is a lie. We are not good enough. We cannot save ourselves. We need Jesus. And this is why humility is so important because this is the bridge to Jesus. We come to him and we receive grace. If we don't, we are lost. We have to let him rescue us. Living in pride is a delusion. And humility, I mean, it's not, let me be clear, humility is not self-loathing. Humility is not this sort of attitude that's like, oh, I'm the worst, bunch of Eeyores walking around. I can't do anything right. That is not humility. That's just sort of an inverted pride. <laughs> You're just kind of saying, I'm terrible. Somebody tell me I'm great. You're still stuck on yourself, right? Humility is just moving on from yourself. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So um, I will tell you, I, I struggle with pride. It bubbles up in me all the time. Um, I can be self-centered. I can point, like I said, here's what you've all done wrong. Uh, but one of the ways pride comes out is I can be real opinionated, and I'm not proud of it. Um, I, I just, when I am opinionated and sharing my opinions, you know, if you're prideful in that, you have this inflated sense of the rightness of your opinions. Anybody like that? Y'all want to admit it? <laughs> Yeah, okay, so, so this happened one time. It's real embarrassing. Uh, we had just met these people, new friends, and they invited us over. We came over, and so we're visiting with them, and they were real into dogs. So they gave us, they gave, they, the husband handed me this book about dogs to read. So I'm like trying to act like I care about dogs. And I'm reading the book, and he and Matthew are talking. I'm not really attending to what they're saying. I just hear somebody say something about the name Harry. And I just pipe up, no one asked, but I go, what a goofy name. Who would name their kid Harry? And Matthew goes, he just said his middle name is Harry. <laughs> and I was like, you know, so stupid, so arrogant. I try to backpedal, ah, just kidding. I don't say what I really mean. Um, <laughs> It was awful, and I made an idiot of myself. But, I mean, the joke's on me because Harry is actually a super cool name. Harry Potter, Prince Harry, Harry Styles. I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was doing. But that was pride. That was just pride. Like, here, let me share my opinions with all of you. I know you don't really want to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Pride it can look many, many different ways. It can come out in uh, just being very critical of other people. Just, oh, can you believe they did that? Can you believe she wore that? Can you believe he said that? You know, just always criticizing everybody else. That's pride. Do you have a really hard time apologizing? Do you have a hard time admitting when you screwed up? That's pride. We need to just tell the truth. That's humility. Coming in line with reality. I did this. I said this. I was an idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, next point, pride isolates and humility connects. 
Um, there's this wonderful classic film called the Batman Lego movie, <laughs> Lego Batman movie. And in it, we see Bruce Wayne, who's super cool, and he talks like this. And he's got all these great, you know, gadgets, and he's famous, and he's rich. Everybody wants to be Batman. But when you get to know Batman, you realize he is a lonely person. He's isolated because he will not be vulnerable with anybody. He won't let anybody in. He won't admit that he needs help, that he can't do everything on his own. And he's so lonely. And he's so isolated. It's super sad, actually. But he comes around. I won't spoil it. Um, but, but pride isolates us. I was talking to Daisy, our 13-year-old, when I was studying for this. I was like, Daisy, why do you think pride is bad? She was like, you mean if you, if you do something and you're proud of yourself? I'm like, no, 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 that, that's fine. I'm talking about the kind of pride that where you believe you're better than other people. She was like, that's easy. If you're like that, nobody will like you. And I was like, well, she's probably right. Um, it's not fun to be around that. Um, pride isolates, but humility connects. When we're humble, when we're open and real, people go, oh, me too. You know, when we try to maintain this image of, oh, I never do that. I, I don't, okay, go have fun never doing that. I don't want to be close to you. But humility connects. Vulnerability connects. And if you want to really know and be known what you are made for, eventually you got to let people in and they're going to see the real you. So it's okay. Humility connects. We're made for it. Uh, next point, pride is a prison and humility is freedom. I want to show you all a video that I love so much. You might have seen it. It's been viral the last few, couple of weeks. But um, I think this kid illustrates so well kind of the spirit of humility that I love, that I think Jesus loves. So watch this video. Milo, cutest kid. I love him. I love, I mean, maybe it's childlike naivete more than humility, but he is so happy to be a door holder. He doesn't need to be the main character. He's so excited to just be there and be part of it. And I love that. I think Jesus was thinking about Milo probably when he said, you need to become like a child if you want to be in my kingdom. Children receive. They know they can't earn. They're just happy to be there. That's the kind of spirit of humility. If we're very concerned about our ego, uh, we're not very fun to be around. And I, I imagine ego is like this really very inflated balloon that's like so inflated, the smallest thing it's going to bust and be a mess. And we're, it's like we're just walking around with this big thing. Don't, don't say anything that might hurt my feelings. Don't offend me. I'm going to explode if you do. You know, just very fragile, just carrying this thing around. It's, a, it's no way to live. It's a prison. And humility 
is, is standing in a wide open place and you see God for who he is and you see yourself as you are and you know you're not the best and you can say you're not the best uh, and it's just a free place. It's a good place. Remember, when we're proud, we're believing this lie that we're good enough, that we don't need. We have what it takes. But how do we know we're good enough? We have to prove it, right? We, ha we have to have evidence somehow. And so uh, we'll try to be the best at our work or if, if we have a talent or in education or whatever. We, we, we're always trying to prove that we have what it takes, which is so exhausting. And it's really unbearable if you, if you figure out you don't have what it takes. Now, I, I'm a musician, and uh, I've made some albums and written some songs and released them, and I've hoped they'd be received and be meaningful to people and all of that. Um, but musicians, we are, we're notoriously insecure people. And that's because I think most of the time we're just kind of prideful. <laughs> I think, you know, if your job is making some kind of art, you got to have people like it to make money. So you can kind of get on this hamster wheel of performance, right? Am I good enough? Am I valid as an artist? Somebody tell me you like me. So you start having these criteria to know if you're good enough. Uh, do I have enough downloads? Do I have enough streams? Have enough people watch my YouTube channel? Uh, do enough people want to pay to come see me sing or play or whatever? And it just becomes this unbearable striving. Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? I think I do. I don't know. And then when you fail, you don't have the things that whatever you've decided you needed, it's just unbearable. It's exhausting. Humility, you just get off the wheel. You just get off. And you don't have to prove yourself. You receive what Jesus has done for you when he humbled himself. And it's just so free. The best thing about humility is that you can be close to Jesus. Pride sets you against God, but humility connects you to his heart. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus tells us about himself, uh, about his heart. This is the only place in scripture he explicitly tells us what his heart is like. It's beautiful. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. That's how Jesus describes his heart, gentle and humble. He, he, he is a friend to failures. The, the outcasts of society loved hanging out with Jesus. They didn't feel condemned by him. They felt seen. They felt understood. And, and this is because Jesus' heart is gentle and humble. If you sat down with Jesus and had a meal and you told him your whole story and all the ways you've been wounded and all the ways you've failed and all the terrible, selfish thoughts you've had, he wouldn't leave the room. He would embrace you. He would understand you. He would listen to you. He would forgive you and love you. He would tell you the truth. He would say, you need to get off the throne of your life and follow me if you want real freedom and real life. But he would love you, he would embrace you. This is the Jesus who says, come to me. This is why humility is so important. We can't come to Jesus with pride. We can't come to Jesus saying, well, we don't really need what you did for us. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is such a sobering thought, friends. The one thing we need to be close to Jesus is need. 
We need need. Jesus humbled himself to come and save us. He modeled it. And he did that because that was what was required to rescue our souls, to save us, to forgive us. And so when we, when we respond with pride, we're essentially just saying, no, thanks. I know you suffered and died and left heaven, but I don't, I don't need all that. I'm good. I can stand on my own merit. Friends, we cannot stand on our own merit. When we stand before God, all that will matter is did we receive Jesus? Did we receive his grace, his forgiveness, his love for us? This is true. This is real. And so pride is so deadly because it's saying, nah, no thanks. At the end of our text, it says, in the end, God exalted Jesus and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. This is truth, friends. But we can choose, will we bow now or will we bow later? Because we have a choice now. And I'm telling you, Jesus is inviting you to come to him if you're weary and burdened. Come into the wide open space, this humility where we can get over ourselves, where we can love people, where we can be part of his kingdom and see him as he is. It's a good place. I want to bow now. As I've gotten older, I, you know, when I was younger in my faith, I would hear something like this and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to be more humble. I'm not going to think about myself. And, but I would just think about myself more. It didn't work. Striving doesn't work. Jesus invites us to stop striving, to come to him. So I think what we need this morning, we don't need to strive harder. We need to behold something so beautiful, so incredibly heart-melting, life-changing that we can just forget ourselves. We need to behold Jesus who loved in ways we can't even fathom. He laid aside all of the beauty and the glory of heaven. He took on flesh. He humbled himself. He made himself vulnerable. He lived and died for you. That's how valuable you are. That's how loved you are. Humility is not self-loathing. You are so loved, friends. But it's recognizing, yeah, that was the cost of my sin, but how loved we are that Jesus did it willingly. Listen to these words from Andrew Murray. It's the sinner basking in the full light of God's holy, redeeming love in the experience of that indwelling divine compassion of Christ who cannot but be humble. Not to be occupied with sin, but to be fully occupied with God brings deliverance from self. I want us to be more like Milo. I want us to be free to receive the love of a God who became a man. And not only that, he became a carpenter, a laborer. He didn't chase the elite social circles. The Jesus who loved children who loved hanging out with him, the Jesus who had his cousin baptize him in the river, the Jesus who chose of all places to be born in a little backwater town in Judea, the Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are weary. I ask you, are you weary of the, of the hamster wheel of trying to prove that you're enough? Are you weary of just trying and trying and trying? He's saying, get off the wheel, come to me. All you who are weary, I'm weary. December makes me weary. 
And Jesus is like, come on, come close to me. I will give you life, not you striving harder. This is the Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, he, he knelt down and he washed the dirt that he made off the feet of the people he made. And he looked into their eyes and he loved them. And they were so, they were such a mess. They were always missing it. And he loved them and he, he did all of that out of love. And so I invite you friends today to come to Jesus, to lay down your pride, to confess your need for him. It's reality. We all need him. And he welcomes us and he gives us life and joy and peace. We're going to sing together. And this song just says, Lord, I need you. It's a confession of our need for him. And so I invite you to sing it. I invite you to pray. I invite you to take a moment and just thank Jesus that he was willing to do all of that for us. Maybe you've never come to him in the first place. And he's calling you. He's speaking to your soul today. I invite you to come. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Because he is gentle and humble in heart. And he is your salvation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you humbled yourself, that you came when we were so far away, so full of ourselves, so full of pride, and you humbled yourself and you rescued us. Thank you for that. Help us understand it in a fresh way today, Lord. Help us worship you in the way that you're worthy. Thank you for your gentle, humble heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every person hearing my voice about how you love them, about how you want them to come into life with you. Help us trust you more. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.